Hi there. I've got um, this is Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching, and I've got Nicolo Bernardi here for us to cover mindset. So welcome, Nicolo. Hello, Megan. Thrilled to be here, spending a little bit of time together to really unpack some of the mindset that goes on at this particular time of the year, right, Megan? What's going yes. On? Yeah. Yes. So uh, you're going back from holiday break, everybody, and wondering how to handle that after holiday break blowout season. If you're struggling with the meltdown cycle and your child is struggling to get back into the daily routine, then make sure that you are sticking around for today's show. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. So here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids break out of the meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. That meltdown cycle, what does that look like? Daily meltdowns, multiple times a day, your kid might be throwing their body on the floor, hitting, kicking, screaming, running around, running away, slamming doors, yelling, cursing, or shutting down. We call that the shutdown cycle or the refusal cycle. Can't, won't, no way, right? So for those of you who are parenting children four and up, daily meltdowns are not developmentally appropriate. What does that mean? For four-year-olds, your child might be having a meltdown a couple times a week. That would might be developmentally appropriate. It'd be pretty short though, 10 minutes or so or less, right? Um, for a child that's having intense meltdowns, this might take a half an hour to all the way up to, you know, we've seen two-hour meltdowns or meltdowns that just never stop right? We've worked with families who are having upwards of uh, 20 meltdowns a day. And uh, this is true for children four all the way up through uh, 14 for the, the work we do with parents only. And then for teenagers, usually we see those meltdowns shift into uh, what we call shutdowns typically or isolation and, and refusal. All right. But teens are not... Um, uh, they're not immune to those meltdowns either. The daily frequency is what we focus on here at MTC. And uh, it might even be multiple times a week if your child's above the age of four. That's also not developmentally appropriate. It's a sign that your child feels emotionally out of control. So when this is happening after coming out of holiday break, a lot of parents are struggling with the frustration related to that, right? So we want to cover that in terms of wondering whether or not your vacation was even worth it, If especially if you celebrated a holiday where you're gift, giving gifts, right? Um, wondering the, the emotional experience of assessing your child's behavior, if they're struggling to follow through on the routine that you know that they are used to. Uh, let's talk about the the challenge and the, and the uphill battle parents can be having at that point. So Nicolo, as one of our mindset coaches here at MTC, what do you see uh, that parents can really be struggling with at this time of year? Right. Well, one big one is this uh, seeming uh, impression that really the child is doing all sorts of nasty things on purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, you almost don't recognize your, your child anymore after this couple of weeks. It seems like the level of aggression, the level of distraction of, of property just ramps up and mm -hmm. the ability to, to just follow instruction seems to be so low that it just it doesn't compute. It seems like they must be really be wanting to make us feel miserable. All of that, mm -hmm. that seems to be uh, what's, uh, what's happening. And um, now when we really look at what's going on and, and unpack um, the understanding of what it what is it like to be a highly sensitive person, uh, those periods of time can be... Uh, incredibly taxing for for a child particularly mm -hmm. for a highly sensitive person and not understanding how deeply the highly sensitive trait runs through the brain and body of a of a child uh, can bring to all 
the kind of misunderstanding that we're mm -hmm. you know we're seeing when it seems like ah oh, they're, they're really giving me a hard time. Mm -hmm. And so just to, just to name a few specifics, uh, just the increase in the overall level of stimulation mm -hmm. that you get in these kind of times, number of people speaking which mm -hmm. speaking of right uh, the 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 way that the house changes, the environment in the house often changes, or the fact that the, you're literally in a different place if you're going mm -hmm. on a vacation or you're going uh, to somebody else's, to some relative's house, like the change in the environment and how it makes for a much more um, varied, rich, and overwhelming stimulation that itself can bring a highly sensitive person that hasn't developed the skills yet Mm -hmm. to deal with that overstimulation or that different stimulation brings them past the brink of an intense you know, fight, flight, freeze reaction. And this is where then you see somebody who is behaving in a kind of a survival mode, which you may then misread as <laughs> they are giving you um, a hard time. Okay, mm -hmm. so the level of stimulation is one uh, layer. Let's talk about one other layer that, or Megan, you want to build from? Yeah, there. I want to. I want to. Yeah. I want to stop us there because when when yeah. we think about the the challenges that you've um, might have experienced in the holiday season, which we've you know we, we've been speaking about a lot, now it's it's we're moving into uh, the experience that your child is having as they return to their routine too, right? So all of that was going on during the holiday season for some of you. Now, what one thing that is important to to pay attention to, what Nicolo is talking about is that the highly sensitive experience during the holiday season can compound, right? So your highly sensitive child might've responded with that level of intensity during the holiday season. Uh, it's also true that they might've responded with, with happiness and joy and the exuberance of the, 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 um, of the holiday season might have actually led to your child feeling more calm or exhibiting more safe behavior. Um, the, the flexibility being with transitions being easier for you to, to tolerate because, you know, barring, um, you know, some scheduled dinner times, uh, your child might've been pretty easygoing during the holiday season because, there were gifts involved because there was joy and, uh, you know, everybody's more typically more jovial. So either way, your child experienced that holiday season. It's also important to understand all of the factors that Nicola was just speaking about that were uh, going on in the background, okay, that are adding to your child's intensity. And there's one critical po component you said here, Nicola, that everybody needs to be listening to, a highly sensitive child without skills is struggling with all of these experiences, right? So it's really, really important to notice that being highly sensitive, you'll take in all those information, all that information, your child being highly sensitive will take all that information, but if they have skills, then you can trust that their experience of the happy, joyful holiday season rolls right into their ability to generalize that, that happy, joyful mentality for most days than not, more often than not during every single day into this transition we're talking about now, which is going back to the school routine or, or, you know, whether that be a schooled at home or schooled in a public or private setting. And so where parents feel really tripped up is this assumption that my child is doing this on purpose and because they were happy during the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? We go into a conclusion of my kid is just a spoiled brat. Right. And the only way for, for them to be happy is to just not be at school and to have yeah. whatever they want and to eat all the sugar. And that's the only way he's going to be able, she's going to be able to function. Right. Right. Which obviously doesn't help yes. anybody. Um, it doesn't help anybody. So you were about to, um, to dive into number two. So I want to make sure that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. So still related to like this um, up, uh, uptick in, uh, in challenging behavior that you may see as you're coming out of the holiday season. Mm -hmm. um, we spoke about this external stimulation, but hey, what about the internal stimulation, meaning the complexity of the emotional experience that uh, for you and I, for everybody goes on during the holidays and mm -hmm. how they are tenfold amplified uh, mm -hmm. for a highly sensitive person. Just sit for a moment on how many different feelings uh, 
you have when you go through those, you know, couple of weeks or so, right? There is um, um, love and longing and looking forward to certain things. And then there are invariably some degree of disappointment and mm-hmm. your expectation not exactly going the way you were hoping or the mm-hmm. way you remember being at a different time. Mm-hmm. And then there is <clears throat> then there is all the uh, kind of relationship with people that perhaps you yeah. haven't seen in a, in a while yeah. <laughs> and how this relationship may find themselves a little bit tied into certain knots, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's uh, <laughs> older generations or younger so generations. with or... words. <laughs> tied in knots. I love it. Go ahead. Sorry. Or peers, <laughs> right? Whether it's cousins or, or brothers mm-hmm. or sisters, right? And all mm-hmm. of all of that get just massively mm-hmm. packed into mm-hmm. a few high stakes days mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and which are preceded and followed by just the usual now yeah. a highly sensitive person without skills will be severely challenged by this kind of unprepared uh, mm-hmm. unframed and not effectively handled um, changes and and just massive overload uh in a way that hopefully, as I'm describing, you you can relate to uh, if you are a highly sensitive person, even if you are not a highly sensitive person, and if you are not a highly sensitive person, you need to put a 10x in front mm-hmm. of whatever it is that you're experiencing, plus uh, divided by 10 in terms of, or more in terms of the brain that you're working with, which is not an adult brain, an adult mm-hmm. brain, but is a five-year-old, eight-year-old, 12-year-old, whatever, 15-year-old brain, which has therefore very different um, capabilities than yours. Um, and, and now you're starting to really see how the uh, behavioral challenges that you're seeing are coming about and they are completely unrelated to you having a spoiled brat that is just trying to make your life miserable purpose. Mm-hmm. It comes from a very different place and therefore takes for a very different approach in terms of helping this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so, you know, as a parent, you might be wondering, did all of the work we do to get our child adjusted to the school year back in September and even into October uh, fall, you know, go right out the window now that it's it's January? And um, that assumption can really set you back in in believing that your child has um, not made any progress, right? When we see parents who, uh, before they they get to us, they're you know they're they're throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks, right? There's no strategy. There's just tactics, right? I'm going to teach my kid this skill, or I'm going to have a conversation about this, or we're going to um, you know only focus on going to school on time, whatever, right? So there's uh, tactics they use to shift that behavior problem. There's no strategy to keep the meltdown cycle at bay. And so, yeah, your child is going to experience a lot of backsliding because there's no system involved to help them stay regulated on a daily basis, no matter the experience, no matter the environment, no matter the circumstance, right? That's the difference between using tactics and using a, a strategy. Now, what is one one critical component? And that's why we have uh, Dr. Bernardi here today is to focus on the mindset, your belief, and your assumption about how your child is living the, through the world, and how your child's relating to you, and how your child experiences you and values the relationship with you is critically important in terms of how you parent your child and how you view the situation that your child is struggling in. Because if you're, you're jumping to conclusions that your kid doesn't care or that your kid, you know, has lost all skill sets or that your child, um, you know, that all of this work in the fall was for naught, then you're going to come at this from a completely different framework, right? You're going to, you're going to perceive um, that, well, Nicola, I'll let you, I'll let you share more about that. What we, what are, what, what are the conclusions that then dictate behavior uh, when we consider those assumptions? Right. Well, like they're doing it on purpose and uh, also, which we already unpacked, but also like Mm -hmm. this will go on forever. This will never change. Our life is destined to be just like that. And there is no, uh, right. Here we go again. Here we go again. Right. Uh, And so here, the thing is that you need to realize 
um, there you are feeling overwhelmed yourself, which is a mm -hmm. kind of almost inevitable experience when you don't know how to do this work with a highly sensitive person. So you're feeling overwhelmed, and then your kind of perception of the world gets uh, densely, heavily skewed in that way. And the, mm -hmm. the, the tragic part of that is that when you put those kind of filters onto your ability to see and to pay attention, well, then you tend to see what you're looking for, what you're trying to see, and then you create these devastating self-fulfilling uh, prophecies. And then, then you find yourself in a situation in which indeed it, it it's going to stay like that forever, but not because that is the actual fundamental nature of what is really going on, yeah. But that is because this is what we're kind of flattened uh, around in the way we are paying attention. Mm -hmm. um, and when we look at the, like, this will go on forever. Uh, one one way in which I'm talking about flattening of the attention around what, you know, what you are afraid of and what mm -hmm. you are dreading and then staying stuck to paying attention to that. The incorrect assumption is this: this is about the child. Mm -hmm. uh, now, when you put it on the child and you make it basically you make the five-year-old the, the person responsible for this going on or not going on forever. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you're painting yourself in a corner, which it may well be the case that it's going to indeed go on forever. But, yeah. but the truth is that this is actually not about the child. This is about the family-wide pattern of mm -hmm. relationship, of thinking, mm -hmm. of emoting, that as mm -hmm. a family, we are enacting whether this is about you and you need to you need to change otherwise we are all going to be miserable for the rest of our lives right mm -hmm. and so of course if that anybody nobody changes nobody does anything at all yeah you may indeed get stuck there uh but the chance to turn it around is so incredibly accessible because this is not about him this is about us and that includes you <laughs> and that means yeah. that you can take action the moment you decide that you have enough with this, you can start to take action and start to change that pattern. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this will completely change the story of this will go on forever to a story that this will this is ending and something new is actually starting today. And that mm -hmm. story is incredibly accessible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and that that perspective has to be leading the charge as you parent, right? So, you know, obviously those of us who have chosen to have children and welcome children into our home, um, whether the, your your children were born um, you know, into your family or adopted into your family, we envision whenever we choose to have kids, we envision what kind of parent we're going to be. We envision the happiness that we're going to experience. We envision those fun times. We also might li likely envision, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to, how am I going to lead my teenager uh, with hard conversations? How am I going to teach my teen um, how to make less mistakes than I did when I was a when I was a teenager, right? So we're all perspective, you know, perceiving that that we are going to figure it out. Right. Um, and, and that generally our experience in parenting is going to be most of the time pleasant. Uh, most of the time we're going to feel like we have some time to figure things out and then we're going to be having a lot of fun with our, with our children, um, for the majority of, of those experiences. Mm -hmm. And so we might be worried, right? Before we have kids, but, um, that doesn't cloud our choice to have children. And so once we get to the point of having children, if you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, that perception that things will work itself out can really get quite clouded. And so that impacts our choices, right? You might start to feel regret. You know, Nicola's joined us on the show before where we wondered, um, we've unpacked the, the belief that your kid would be better off without you, right? Make sure you check out that show, that episode, if you haven't already. Um, you might start to feel frustration. You might start to feel dread in the day. And, and when you are leading the day from, oh my gosh, you know, here we go again, or I can't believe this is where we're at, or, you know, nothing is ever going to change and, and create, you know, lasting, consistent growth, then you're going to move through the day like Eeyore. Oh, um, I think this is where we're headed. Might as well keep on trying. It's good to stay positive, I guess, right? And that level of emotional experience, there's no judgment here. I'm not mocking that. I'm describing it, right? Um, that experience of turning into Eeyore isn't 
an experience that you just wake up one day and you know what? <laughs> I want to feel like a donkey who's lost his tail and doesn't believe he'll ever get it back. Like that's my choice. That's how I want to live my life for the rest of my days in parenting my kid. No, there's a slow decline. There's a slow dec- decline. And then we get to the point where we're like, how, you know, how did I get here? And so as we're having this conversation, you need to be focused on noticing that that decline has already happened. And when you're experiencing that multiple times a day, that is impacting the level of intensity that within which you would react with your children and how you're responding. You know, uh, so when you, whenever you choose to, to, you know, follow a, 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 um, a plan or a system to, to support your child, whether that's with us here at MTC or someone else, you have to, uh, you have to be certain that in order to break out of the meltdown cycle, that comp- the component of your perspective of what's going on with your child, your view of their potential and you, your, um, your perception of what's possible for them has to be included in the strategy. It has to be st- tactics in terms of a, a series of tactics of how to respond to your kid when, what to do when this happens, what behaviors to prioritize, what behaviors to, to decrease prioritization of, et cetera, right? What to give weight and what to let work itself out based on developmental understanding. And that has to be, um, that has to be developed through the lens of how you perceive your child, what assumptions you're making of your child. Are those assumptions positive? Are you expecting things to work out well? Uh, do you notice when things are, are working the way that, that, that they're exposed, they're supposed to be? How do you understand the strategies you're using and to tweak them and to troubleshoot them? That requires working with somebody who understands this problem inside and out and can, um, can, you know, demonstrate a track record that they've been able to do that. Right. Cause you guys have listened to the results that we've, we've created with with parents and Nicolo, you and I, when we, when we support parents and understanding what's critically important for them to, to move through when we work with them directly, what's the one highlight that they always say, mm-hmm. right? The mindset work. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize how much of a challenge that, that, um, how much changing this challenge required me to make the changes, right? Yeah. The highest value for, for our grads is the mindset work. And a lot of times parents will be following tactic-based professionals. Yeah. Um, you know, when your kid struggles to brush their teeth and they're nine, here's yeah. what you hang over their head to make them do it. Yeah. Right. That's gonna, um, yeah, that's not gonna go anywhere here because you have a highly sensitive person on the other side. So it's probably not gonna go anywhere in general in life because it's never just a tactic. There is something mm-hmm. that needs to be more substantial fundamental behind mm-hmm. that gives you that kind of conviction and flexibility to stay mm-hmm. true to the strategy. Uh, regardless of the specific of the scenario. Mm-hmm. So in general, in life, if you are going about life just with tactics and without a strong mindset, that's one of the reasons why you have been staying stuck. Uh, mm-hmm. But even more dramatically in parenting, a highly sensitive children, that particularly will not go anywhere because the person you're working with is really powerfully tuned to mm-hmm. your mindset. <laughs> and if mm-hmm. that is not a variable in your equation, in fact, it's not a primary variable in the equation, whatever you're putting on the map, it's bound mm-hmm. to fail mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even backfire. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you might be using an effective tactic that is quite successful. But if you're speaking to your child like this with your teeth gritted and you're really annoyed and you think that they'll never do it, then the mm-hmm. words coming out of your mouth are not going to be taken in. Your child's going to be afraid. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, scared animals run. Same thing happens with the human brain, you know, spot it's pure biology. And, and so when we think about the level of frustration and aggravation, it doesn't matter how you deliver the, how, what message you're delivering. If it matters how you deliver it. Right. Yeah. Um, much more importantly than, than that. And so this is why, you know, this conversation, we all, we're always so focused on observing how you're perceiving your child and how you're holding yourself accountable to to be focused on, on love and kindness and care and holding true to a strategy because tactics are, are just simply not going to work um, without that. And so um, what happens, right? What happens when we have this belief that, you know what, my kid ge- can't generalize the skill. We tried in October and here, here we are in January again, here, you know, we're in the same spot and uh, this is going to go on forever. It must be my kid then, 
right? Like you were saying, you know, we can't blame the five-year-old for the, for the shift in the system um, and for the cracks in the system. Uh, we also can't blame the 12 year old same, you know, 12 year olds are struggling with this issue. 15 year old, same thing. Um, where the strategy component falls flat is in understanding your belief and in, in your clarity on how your child fits the, the highly sensitive criteria as well. Right. Because if you're, if you're not clear on the, the personality trait and how your child fits that criteria and what adds to their overwhelm and what, and how to structure their days and structure changes in their routine in order for them to stay steady when you change the routine, uh, then we jump to the conclusion that something bigger is going on. Right. And uh, that can open up a very dispersive, frankly, uh, kind of worms where every new month there is a new uh, option on the table. And maybe it's defiance and maybe it's ADHD and maybe it's mm -hmm. this and maybe it's that. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, um, now, some of our clients do have uh, some of these added layers mm -hmm. uh, that, mm -hmm. so it, it's not that um, those things do not happen, right. uh, but but the thing is what is uh, what is cause and what is effect, mm -hmm. what is what is root and what is expression, what is mm -hmm. cause and what is symptom, mm -hmm. and we what we found to be true is that uh, at least for the clientele that we work with, the highly sensitive trait uh, growing in an environment that does not know mm -hmm. what it means to uh, parent um, a person like that is where everything else is stemming for and from, and so the kind of um, something bigger is going on uh drama that drags parents for years and years of tireless hours of searching on the internet these or or that diagnosis or problem or thing all of that gets incredibly simplified mm -hmm. realizing this is where all these branches join at the root mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and as you learn how to tend to the root you're mm -hmm. taking care of all the branches mm -hmm. uh, basically with one approach and when necessary, when needed, with adding uh, some external additional uh, tweaks. But at this point, you're just tweaking uh, and you are, you know, you are basically, you're holding the tree by the root and the, the, just the sense of simplification, of confidence, of uh, um, power, frankly, mm -hmm. because the shift is from powerlessness and helplessness uh, into confidence and agency and power that, that happens mm -hmm. from the something bigger is going on. It means that you're constantly trying for something, look something out there that will finally make this kind of click. And then is this expert or this particular label or this particular um, drug or this particular uh, <laughs> way <laughs> of uh, um, torturing basically your family and your child and and at the end of the day, it's all outside you. It's all outside them. It's all outside of your family. And that experience can be very disenfranchising. And so uh, really understanding what is this and learning a way to uh, work with it and uh, leverage its beauty, its incredible resourcefulness because highly sensitive people are some of the brightest people you will find out there in the world uh, just makes for incredible sense of simplification um, clarity and empowerment. So exactly. When, when we're thinking about the temperament trait being the underlying awareness of how you view your child, um, th that sets you up for understanding your child in a different light than if you were to look at it from a mental health or medical model. Okay. So in terms of understanding psychology and having, you know, Dr. Bernardi here, neuroscientist, um, myself being a licensed clinical professional counselor, um, all our whole team, we all have, uh, clinical experience and, uh, psychology, psychological backgrounds, et cetera, respectively. Uh, and here we are in a coaching mental health consultant, um, uh, perspective and approach to solve this problem. Because when you look at solving this problem of eliminating the, the meltdown cycle, what you're doing is you are observing the, how your child experiences the world 
and how your child sees their challenges and how they think about themselves as a neutral experience. It's just how they were born. Then when we look at the behavioral expression of that, right? So if they are having a hard time perceiving themselves to be capable, they are have a hard time um, experiencing the world and feeling capable of managing the intensity of of the world, right? Um, Not just senses, but also how people talk to them and relationships that they have and the viewpoints of those relationships. And they have a hard time changing their their mind about expectations. You know what? I want to watch the show. I'll be able to watch it later. Mommy says we need to go do this right now. Now I can handle it, right? If all of those skill gaps are are um, are, are lacking for your child, and and uh, it's not being reinforced in the home in different ways, right? Because there's a parenting strategy gap here as well. Then your child's going to have extreme behaviors. Child is going to feel crappy. They are going to think that they're a crappy person. They are going to believe that that's true, and they will also feel disconnected to you, and they will feel like the the um, that nothing will will solve the problem. So what happens? They behave in a way that indicates that to you by hitting, kicking, yelling, fresh, you know, saying that 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 life would be better off without you. That they're frustrated. Um, that you you don't love them, that you hate them, that they're garbage, uh, saying all these awfully heart- heartbreaking things and doing all of these um, behaviors at a, from an aggressive level, right? Now, those behaviors pervasively over and over and over again are a symptom of the meltdown cycle, right? So if you cut your arm and you have blood running down your arm and your, your shirt is bloody, we're not going to get a new shirt. We're going to figure out how to sew the cut up right? And that's the difference between the mental health model, which is saying, oh, I see all of these behaviors and I don't know, I don't know anything about temperament as a professional. And I don't know anything about, um, you know, how your child was born into the world and how they experience the world. I'm just going to look at these behaviors, look at their intensity, frequency, and duration, and say, you know what, this sounds like a defiant child. Up, oh, check ODD. There you go. You know what? This child struggles with uh, staying focused in the moment because they're overstimulated, but I'm going to think that they're distractible. So uh, ADD, right? Attention deficit disorder, inattentive type, which is what it's really called. ADD is not an actual diagnosis. Um, oh, you know what? This kid is is struggling so much and there's no rhyme or reason. It happens generally most, you know, every couple of days. Uh, disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, which is bipolar light that they give to children. All right. So the framework, when you, when you treat quote unquote, treat those diagnoses in the mental health world is we're going to put this kid in individual therapy. We're going to help them heal how they feel about themselves differently. And then we're going to teach them some behavior strategies and the professional is going to do that. Right. What happens parent from the, from the bare perspective, from the bottom perspective is there's something wrong with my kid and somebody else is going to have to fix it. And it's up to my kid to fix it. Now, the mental health model for these diagnoses is all for all of them, your child is going to be with this problem for the rest of their life. None of those three diagnoses are diagnoses that have a end game in sight that where resolution is extinction of the diagnosis. Okay. Now you could argue the same thing, personality trait, right? Personality trait is temperament type. We're not going to get rid of that, right? I'm always going to be type A. <laughs> You'll never like um, change that about me, all right? Uh, what you will change is my expression of my type A behavior, okay? I don't have to be anxious in type A, right? I don't have to run a team by cracking a whip. I don't have to, you know, run myself into the ground and um, and never take a break, Right? And I don't have to be neurotic in how things need to be exactly perfect and therefore only my way, which means, you know, if I believed that, then I wouldn't be able to hire a team to begin with, right? Wouldn't have ever offloaded some of my responsibilities, uh, to, you know, to, to unique lower to anybody else in the team, right? So the 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 fact that I want to get things done and and I like the way I, I do them and I'm driven and I, I value imp- my impact in the world and um, focusing that, that's my type of personality. Right? I'm not necessarily a very go with the flow type of person, but I have been able to regulate and learn skills to manage anxiety, frustration, or aggravation enough to let somebody else be in charge. 
to give freedom to somebody else and autonomy in, in, you know, in a skill set that I've delegated. And that happens both in the house and, um, in, um, in my work circumstances. Okay. Um, and I also don't overload myself being so type a, you know, or to the, to the point where I'm people pleasing and perfectionistic. I don't pick up responsibilities in my, in my daughter's extracurriculars because I feel like nobody else would meet that, um, that need, or because I feel like I could do a better job than anybody else. Right. That's ineffective display of a type a personality. So it's, it's, it's going to drain me. That's the definition of ineffective. doesn't meet all of my needs, right? I'm overperforming. Okay. So when we think about the, the driven personality as a, as an example, we want to look at a highly sensitive person. Now being highly sensitive doesn't mean you're not type A. Um, it's just a different, uh, type of temperament that is not mutually exclusive to introversion or extroversion. It's not mutually exclusive to type A or type B personality. Those are, those are different subsets of, of personalities and they overlap. Okay. When we look at it from that standpoint, then we get to say, oh, these behaviors aren't something I have to always keep at bay that I have to diagnose. Instead, when I learn to regulate, discharge my intentional, my intense emotions during the, the during the day, when I, uh, when my family teaches me, when my parents teach me how to manage my emotions playfully, then I actually learn how to generalize those skills and take those skills into other situations. Then I don't need a label that says that I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. Because I experienced the world with deep feelings and I think about them deeply and I could be over easily overstimulated when I, when I run myself ragged and I might notice small details that other people don't, but I learned how to not run myself ragged, that easily overstimulated piece. There's, there's choice in that. Once you realize that there's a skill set lacking there. So then I set boundaries around my life and I learn how to effectively advocate for myself. And I learn how to communicate more effectively. So then I don't say no immediately when someone asks something of me, AKA oppositional defiant disorder. So what happens? Does the personality change or does the behavioral expression of the skill gap change? Can you guys just see, can you see just the, the, the opening in the, in the earth happening? Guys, what Megan's saying is just opening a whole different set of, of possibility it's 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 mm. huge there's gonna the moment you stop seeing what's going on as um fundamentally a problem mm -hmm. because you are seeing that this is an expression of a personality and personality is not a problem is the mm. raw material is the raw clay with which the most beautiful pieces of art are made as well as the <laughs> the pieces that nobody wants to work with are made. That's the raw material. It's not a problem. It's just something that you you can and you need to learn how to work with. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just a sense of uh, power, possibility, freedom that brings about. You're not bound to live with a problem mm -hmm. for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. You have a very clear path toward learning how to work with that particular um, clay, and it's gonna look, it's gonna look amazing, uh, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. And so, just the sense of freedom and possibility that that brings is incredible, and also sets um, sets a certain perspective around time, uh, yeah. right? Because with the, with the with the holiday season, I find that sometimes there is this um, um, sense of um, going a little bit lighter, slowing down on some of the things that perhaps were you were doing that were helpful and were working for yourself in terms of, you know, looking after your self-care and your mindset as well as with your child. Some of that gets gets diluted and there is a sense of, well, we have time, you know, even mm -hmm. if in that few weeks we, 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 we let things just go a little bit loose, it's going to be okay, right? And then two weeks later, you have that crash, right? That we were talking about at the beginning. And, oh my God, where, where, where are we living now? Are we living mm -hmm. in hell or what? So we have time. Question mark, right? Is that true? Is that not true? And the thing is that they are both true. It's both true and not true. And what determines one or the other is whether are you following a system that works? 
a proven system that matches the nature of the the emotional and human material you're working with. Mm. Uh, because when you are, let time is on your side and then you have time because mm -hmm. just back to a moment ago, right? Personality is not a problem. Personality is the uh, is the seed, and seed when well tended, they tend to flourish and do the most incredible, beautiful things uh, over time. And so, the sense of urgency: this needs to stop now. This needs to change now. Can be softened, <laughs> and you can relax into a sense that your life and the life of your child is moving along mm -hmm. the trajectory that has been set and that is one of uh, growth and development, learning how to leverage the, the strength of the personality and have proper uh, protections in place so that the potential weaknesses do not cause the whole person to be crippled, right? Mm -hmm. And so in that scenario, you have time, we have time. Now, the reverse is true in a scenario in which we are basically just flying by, by the seat of our pants or you know, doing the throwing spaghetti um, at the wall kind of thing. Because in that case, the potential is still there, mm -hmm. but the plant is it's coming out, it's coming out all crooked and it's not getting the sun that it needs. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. using metaphors here, but I think you, yeah. you follow what I'm talking about. It's yeah. not a, a botanical podcast all of a sudden. We're still talking about parenting. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and, uh, and then in that case, no, you don't have time mm -hmm. because this will kind of, we described that earlier, right? Will tend to self reinforce and then thing will get, uh, will get challenging quite quickly. And you see mm -hmm. that, right? you have these very young people and they, the, the, the level of emotional distress uh, and self-loathing that they have is, is shocking, is, is surprising, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's surprising how quickly that can be reversed. Mm -hmm. And so playing with time. Now, do you have time these holidays? Well, this is up to you, right? For you to assess, mm -hmm. are, you, are you on a track where you know what you're doing and you can mm -hmm. see uh, in a kind of, logic and scientific way where this is leading time is on your side are you feeling lost like you, you still don't know what you're working with then then time then time you, you don't have uh and holidays or not holidays this is something that needs to be addressed now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly and uh because you you know especially if you're going your child's getting back into the routine for public school or private school um that that ramp up doesn't um <laughs> they don't stop right the teachers aren't going to you know, make the first week back to school um you know the slow roll like they did in September right um it's all right we're back here's the assignments you know you're expected you have a midterm in a couple of weeks or you know you have a test at the end of the week or you know we have we have work to do right and so um the real life it, you know real world isn't isn't shifting while your child is moving through life without skin now i'm using that quote uh, to quote dr marsha linehan uh, who had been studying the highly sensitive trait in in the context of chronic suicidality and chronic self-harm in the mental health world since the 1960s you know 30 years uh before elaine aaron even coined the term right and so um she said highly sensitive people without skills uh, move through life as if they have no skin. And, um, so, you know, if you, if you have the wind hit a, a body without skin, uh, it's going to sting. Right. And so what do you do? You say the person is broken, right? You say the person is going to have no skin for the rest of their life. And so we need to just set parameters and use strategies to help them, um, you know, suck it up and deal. Or do we say, hey, let's build skin for you. <laughs> let's figure this out, right? Going back to, um, and then once you have skin, you can actually tolerate the wind. It doesn't hurt, right? Um, same thing with the, with the metaphor that you were using in terms of um, in terms of, of sowing seeds, right? You cannot plant a seed in the soil, look at it and say, why aren't you grown yet, right? You also can't dig it up and double check which is the, the experience that parents are having when, you know, if you're not following a strategy that that's effective, 
um, that level of uncertainty and with no mindset coaching, with no support from, from, um, from an, or, or no skill set for yourself to stay steady during storing stormy times, you're going to undo the work you've done because you're uncertain that, that anything's happening. And so what happens is you actually second guess your kid. And then your child says, well, you know, as I'm trying to feel certain and moving these new skills, wait a minute, mommy and daddy don't even understand me. They don't even think I could do it. So what happens? They start to, to question themselves even more. And so then if you don't believe your kid can do it, and then you double check, are you sure, honey? Are you really sure? Do you think you can? Because last year you kind of, you know, struggled with this for three weeks. Is that going to happen again? Let's make sure that we review it one more time. What is the expectation for when you, when you wake up in the morning, right? Are you okay? Do you think you can do it? All of that talking and, and walking through actually creates more uncertainty because you're looking for your kid to reassure you. And instead, you need to be leading the charge. You need to be getting that support. You need to be um, channeling that level of certainty for yourself. And that's not something that your child can do for you, right? Because you can't be believing it when you see it, uh, when you're when you're parenting a child. That is just, you know, that level of quote unquote pragmatism is um, not going to get you far, right? I'll believe that my child's successful when they're successful. Wait a minute. How do you raise someone to be successful if you don't believe that they'll be successful? Okay, you have to put the put the future in front of the present. And that requires a heck of a lot of mindset work. Yeah. Because it not at the end of the day, it reflects not only on them, but on how you see yourself mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. and how you leverage the person that you are uh, becoming and training yourself to become as the parent you want to be Mm -hmm. into the everyday challenges where that notion of who you are gets gets challenged. You experience that friction, right? And in in that friction, there is the magic. There is the possibility for you to experience yourself as becoming Mm -hmm. the person who you want to be. And from that model, become the parent that your child is needing to have so that they can see where they can go right it's a house yeah. of mirror where mm-hmm. exactly as megan said right the, the 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 key shifts happen internally for for the parents and then from there the ways unlocked for the child to be able to see themselves in ways in which they couldn't uh wouldn't have imagined they could mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly um, so, you know, you know, the, the way that we, we do our work with our parents. And if you, if this is the first show that you're listening to, we're going to break that down anyways today. The first thing that you need to know is it's what we paid attention to for this entire show today is how you view yourself, how you view your child and your perception of what's possible for your children, regardless of the circumstances that you've had in the past, regardless of how long you've been dealing with this problem, regardless of how hard and how violent and how intense your child's aggression is, or how sad. Uh, your child is on a daily basis. You have to be able to see uh, further than that and have a vision on the on the 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 have a vision on your heart for what your child is capable of and what you want for your family life. That has to be leading the charge. Okay, that's not something that we can create for you. You have to create that, and you have to see that, and then we help you figure out how to believe it, how to know that it's true, how to know that it's certain, and that's by giving you the strategies. Right? The strategies are are focused on uh, helping your child know that you understand them. Right? There's validation in, in that. There's also playful communication in that. There's an, an experience of helping your child feel like emotions are just um, part of life because that is true. Right? And the specific words to say have to come through the delivery of that mindset work, right? So that's why we're not, you know, we're not here to just give you, you know, quick, quick tips and tricks. If you're stuck in the meltdown cycle to the point where your child is engaging in daily meltdowns on it over and over and over again, a tip that I give you is actually going to keep you stuck. Why? Just as, as Nicolo said, right? You might put the right soil on top of that seed, but if you don't wait for it to cultivate or you're not, you're not knowing how frequently you're supposed to water it, how, what type of sun it's supposed to receive, then you're going to think that soil is crap. Pardon my French, right? And um, that's, that's not true, right? So I'm not going to play into that belief for you that that's all you need. Survival is looking for a quick fix. If you're stuck in survival mode and you feel like you just need one quick thing um, and you're not able to see that that is that this is actually bigger than that, you'll stay in survival mode, 
All right. Um, just like I said, if, you know, if your situation is, is this level of in, in intensity, you can't be changing your shirt when the blood starts seeping through the shirt. Right. So I'll stop being so gory. <laughs> the, the important component around that is, is noticing um, how to do that effectively, right? You have to be able to, um, to support your child in receiving that validation from you in a way that, that it actually helps them build insight and take action on that insight and to take action in a way that doesn't make them feel like a bad kid. You have to support them in, in practicing and learning new effective behaviors that help them dissipate their intense emotions and, uh, and change their behavior and, and use more skillful, make more skillful, skillful choices, um, keep their hands to themselves, um, support, you know, support language that doesn't include cussing to get what they need, et cetera. Uh, you know, re reduce and eliminate threatening uh, others in order to get what they want, et cetera. And all of that has to be um, done all at once, right? Like the foundation of mindset work has to be woven through the entire level of, of all of the, the interventions. And that's what makes a strategy a strategy rather than scattershot tactics. Um, and, and so in order to do that consistently, if you want our help to do that, you need to be able to have a conversation with us. We need to have a clear perspective on where you're stuck what's gotten in the way uh, in terms of your efforts to solve this on your own. And then we're going to figure out whether or not what you need is, is something that we provide. If we can help close that gap between where you're at and uh, where you want to go, then we're going to have a conversation with that on, on, a, on a phone call, okay, uh, in order to assess what you, your family actually needs. And in order to do that consistently, uh, you need support for that, okay? It, as human beings, if you want to hit... Um, uh, you know, a certain goal, you're, it's much easier to do with, with somebody in your corner, helping you see the blind spots before, um, before you get smacked in the face by them. Right. And so, um, whether we are the ones to, to support you in doing that requires an assessment, we're going to have that conversation. And then, um, if, if we're not, if there's something that's more efficient or effective to get you to your outcome, then, uh, then we steer you in that direction instead. So the conversation is a win-win because we get to support families in the exact right way that we know how to support families. We get to stay the experts in this field on, on the specialty and you get to know that you have that support or. If you're, there's something in the way before we would be a good fit, or um, the, the reason why your child's having these, these intense and displaying these intense behaviors and having this intense time uh, in their life and your family is struggling, isn't uh, because you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, then we'll point you in a more effective direction, or we'll send you uh, with resources so that you know how to solve it on your own if, if professional guidance isn't what you need at that time. We will have that conversation with you, we will support you in, in either way. So we look forward to having that conversation. It is free and uh, we, we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing to serve in this capacity, Megan. Yes. Bye now. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.